Hey everybody, welcome back to True Crime Cases. I'm your host, Allison Mendes, and today is going to be a case update episode. Since this will be the last episode this year, I am going to be updating you guys on all of the open cases that I have covered so far. Some have quite a few updates and others seem to be almost going a little bit cold with just little to no updates so far. I wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone who has taken the time to rate and review review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It's the number one thing that you can do to support the show at the moment, and I really appreciate it. I wanted to also say that I don't plan on taking this long of a break every single time. It's honestly just because I am so pregnant right now that it's very, very difficult for me to get through an entire recording. So that's why I'm going to end up taking a little bit longer of a break is because it's also a maternity leave smashed in with the holidays as well. Now, even though I am not recording any new episodes until next year, I will still be researching cases and I would love to hear any case suggestions that you guys have. So send those over on social media and I will have all those links in the show notes so you guys can get a direct link to our social media and I will look into whatever cases you guys send me. All right, let's just dive right into this episode. Okay, so the first case that I wanted to update you guys on is Orin and Orson West. Now, those are the two little boys, two brothers that went missing from California City, California on December 21st of last year from their adoptive parents' backyard. Now, in the latest update that I could find for this case, the Bakersfield Police Department had interviewed 83 individuals, served 44 search warrants, and conducted 16 mass area searches for the boys. On top of this, according to Savannah Welch reporting for bakersfieldnow.com, the biological children of Jacqueline and Trezell West, who are the adoptive parents, are still with Child Protective Services. Now, although there have not been any new leads or sightings of either of the boys, law enforcement is actively working on this case and they have been very adamant about that. The local public is also keeping the search for Orin and Orson alive and they've held several vigils for the boys. So on the 21st of every single month, the locals hold a candlelight prayer for the boys in an attempt to keep their names in the press as much as possible until the boys are found. This case, in my opinion, has just not gotten the same amount of publicity as others. And there's many different reasons why that could be. I know that there's a lot of kind of different circumstances that need to come together to make a case very captivating to the public such as the Gabby Petito case. And I know that's simply just not the case for every single one, sadly. But I think that it's important to share pictures of the little boys so people know what they look like. I will share a picture of them on social media. So if you want to, please feel free to go over and share that picture or whatever picture you can find of them online that you would like to share with people. I think that that's really, really important in this case and just to keep their name alive until we can either find them and bring them home safely 
quickly or get justice for them if something has happened. Now, next would be the Summer Wells case. Summer is a five-year-old little girl who went missing from Hawkins County, Tennessee on June 15th of this year and has yet to be found. Now, since I covered that case back in July, unfortunately, Summer still has not been found. Her parents have become quite a bit more active in the press, I would say. They did start a YouTube channel called Don Wells Family Official, and I will link that in the show notes that you guys can go check that out. It's a little bit bizarre, in my opinion, (laughs) their videos that they post, but everybody is kind of different, and they are at an age where social media is probably not super familiar for them, and it probably does not come naturally for them. I think that's pretty obvious in the videos, but I think that they are just trying to do whatever they can to kind of keep Summer's case alive. She did get a lot of publicity when she initially went missing. But as we know, people in today's day and age have a really short attention span. So I think they're just doing everything that they can to to keep her name in the press and remind people that she has not been found yet. Now, Don Wells did agree to do an interview with Scott Rouse and Greg Hartley, who are both members of the behavioral panel on YouTube. I really love that channel. It's super great. They cover a lot of true crime. They are experts in body language and interrogation. So they always have some really interesting insight into these cases. They uploaded the entire interview to their YouTube channel, as well as an analysis that they did afterwards. So I will link both of those in the show notes as well, if you're interested in going and checking those out. John Walsh also covered Summer's case on In Pursuit with John Walsh. So that would be available as well if you guys wanted to go watch that. So far, nobody has come forward as the driver of the Toyota Tacoma that was seen in the area around the time of Summer's disappearance. And the TBI did release a statement saying that they have not and will not give up on the search for Summer and they do not consider the case to be cold. Now, Now on to the Tristan Bailey case. Tristan Bailey was a 13-year-old girl from Florida who was murdered earlier this year and her body was found in the woods on Mother's Day of this year. Her classmate, 14-year-old Aiden Fucci, has been charged with her murder, which I covered back in July. Now Aiden is being held without bond still, but in his latest pretrial court appearance, Greg Hanlon reporting for newsforjax.com reports that he can be heard on video saying, quote, please don't let the demons take my soul. The demons are going to take my soul away, end quote. He then later on asks, quote, what's going on? Why am I here? I just want to talk to my mom and dad. What's going, what's going on, end quote. Aiden's lawyer did file a speedy trial waiver and his next court date was set to be today, which is October 28th that I'm recording. But we found out this morning that it was actually postponed until February of next year. Now, it has not been announced whether or not he will be receiving a mental competency evaluation. I'm sure that we will find out at some point and I would assume that he is going to receive one. I know that he had talked about murdering someone before this and I think it's really clear that this young boy has some serious mental issues. His mom was also charged with tampering with evidence if you'll remember she washed his jeans, I believe, that had Tristan's blood on them. And she also had a pretrial hearing scheduled for today and hers was also postponed until February of next year. So I think that we will 
have to wait for some more updates on this case. I have done several full episodes updating you guys on the Suzanne Morphew case, so I don't have a ton of new information. I did see that Barry intends to sue attorneys and investigators in the case for false arrest as well as defamation, among other things, according to Ashley Franco reporting for KKTV.com. According to a family friend, the intent to sue letter states that the district attorney's office, along with investigators in the case, are withholding evidence and falsely accusing Barry of Suzanne's murder. So apparently Barry's attorneys said that the investigators in the case failed to mention that they knew the name of the man's DNA that was allegedly found on Suzanne's bike, on her helmet, the sheets that were found in the dryer, and in one of the bedrooms of the home, as well as in Suzanne's car. This was mentioned during Barry's preliminary hearing, but it was kind of glossed over. I will say that because it was one of the things that I was really interested in hearing about. And I didn't get much information about it, even when I read the full arrest affidavit and everything like that. So they did gloss over that. And they didn't really, they kind of mentioned it and they don't go into any further detail about it at that preliminary hearing. Now, Barry's attorneys are claiming that the DNA found also matches several sexual assault cases in Arizona and that law enforcement never followed up on the matches. So this is what we heard about. I think I might've mentioned this in like part three, that there was DNA found on, I believe it was the glove box of Suzanne's Range Rover and that whoever's DNA it belonged to was linked to several sexual assault cases. And we just assumed that law enforcement was keeping the name of the person private. And then we never really heard anything else about it. At least I didn't. So I think that that is what they're referring to. But I guess I never knew that the DNA was also found on several other items belonging to Suzanne as well as in the home itself. So this should be very interesting. And if this is true, I think that's a really, really big deal. Honestly, it might be all Barry needs in this case because of the fact that this is all circumstantial without Suzanne body, which has yet to be found. So I think we're going to see a lot unfold over the next few months with this case. I'm definitely going to keep my eye on this one, obviously, as well as all the cases, but this one has just really been nonstop with new information. So I will definitely try to stay active on social media and keep updating you guys over there on stuff like this, especially if big news comes out. So definitely go follow me, especially on Instagram. I'm super active on stories and posting over there if it's like a huge update. Now, Barry's trial is is set to begin on May 3rd of next year. So we will definitely stay tuned on that one. Now for the Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell case. So when we left off on this one, Lori had been deemed mentally unfit to stand trial and the prosecution had decided to pursue the death penalty for Chad. Now since then, Chad's trial has been moved from Fremont County to Ada County in an attempt, I believe, to preserve a fair trial due to the publicity surrounding this case. Now, along with that, the Arizona police have released gigabytes worth of videos and interviews and other documents relating to their investigation into the homicide of Charles Vallow, who was killed by Lori's brother, Alex Koch, who is now also deceased, and Charles Vallow was Lori's ex-husband. Now, Charles Vallow's autopsy was released to the public, and it basically just detailed the gunshot wounds to Charles's body. I believe there was one to the abdomen and one to the back, um, and it said that his talk screen came back clean, so he was not poisoned or drugged in any way. Law enforcement said that they will not bring charges against Chad 
in this case due to the fact that there's insufficient evidence connecting Chad to the homicide and therefore it is unlikely that they would get a conviction for that. They did not comment from what I could find on whether or not they have decided to bring charges up against Lori in this case though. So that will be interesting to see play out and I have a feeling that they might but we will see. Now in the Arizona police footage, there is some interesting information revealed by Zulema Pastenis about what Alex said to her a few days before he died. Now we'll remember that Zulema married Alex just a few weeks before he passed away. Apparently she said that she had heard him talking to himself just a few days before he died. And he also mentioned to her that if anything had happened to him, that there was a duffel bag full of cash in their closet and that it was for her. And this was true. There was a duffel bag full of cash she did find it. Now on October 21st, there was a closed hearing held for Lori Vallow. And we do not know exactly what happened during that hearing because it was, it's been sealed by the judge. I believe her lawyers filed for an extension of commitment. So I would assume that was discussed, but there's no way of knowing the details of that right now due to it being sealed. So we'll just have to wait and see on that. I will say that Eric Grossarth for East Idaho News and just East Idaho News in general has been absolutely on top of this case and posts updates very frequently. So if this is a case that you are following, I would highly suggest following Eric for the latest information. Really quickly, I wanted to mention the Samuel Olson case. That one wasn't so popular, but I did want to say I'm just not doing any updates on that because nothing has happened since I did that episode. We're still waiting for Teresa Balboa to go through. I'm waiting for any updates on her trial or anything like that. So when I hear something, then I will obviously probably update the case on social media at that point. But that's the only reason I didn't forget about that one. I checked up on it. There's just no new information. And last but certainly not least is the Gabby Petito case updates. So Since we left off on this one, the medical examiner did release Gabby's cause of death, which was homicide by manual strangulation. And they did say that she had been dead for at least three weeks before her remains were found. On September 23rd, is when an arrest warrant was issued for Brian, which I did go into in my latest coverage of this case. Now on October 7th, Brian's father joined law enforcement in the search for Brian at the Carlton Reserve. And on October 20th, they found Brian's skeletal remains along with some of his belongings in the area of the reserve where his parents had directed law enforcement previously. I know that they used dental records to identify him due to the state of decomposition of the body. Now people are really like erupting with conspiracy theories about this and about Brian's parents, their involvement in the case. Some people think that Brian's not even dead, that law enforcement is covering up for like a botched search or something like that. Some of the theories I haven't even been able to understand why people are coming to that conclusion. But um, I'm interested to hear what you guys think. When the search at the Carlton Reserve began, a large portion of the reserve was submerged in water. It's in Florida. It was a very swampy area. It's dangerous to search because of alligators and poisonous snakes. And it's just not easy to search, period. You could go through that area and miss something two feet to your right because of the conditions. So Brian's parents had specifically mentioned certain areas of the park that they knew Brian camped in previously. And most of those areas 
being submerged when they initially began, law enforcement wasn't able to fully search them. So when portions of the reserve began to drain and the water had receded, it's my understanding that at that point, law enforcement called Brian's parents back in to show them these specific locations where they were previously unable to search before due to the water. So that's why Brian's parents came back to assist law enforcement in the search. And the parents ended up being correct. And Brian had been camping in one of those specific locations. And that's when his remains were found and eventually identified. I'm not going to speculate on anything to do with Brian's parents. I think that this case has been tragic for absolutely everybody involved. And just like every other case that we hear about when someone's life is taken, there are really no winners at that point. And I have my own theories, but to be honest, I don't feel right sharing what my theories might be right now because of the fact that Brian's parents have now lost their son. And Gabby obviously was taken from her parents as well. I'm not trying to undermine that whatsoever, but I think that it's really easy for people to start blaming Brian's parents now. And we, to be honest, just have no idea what their involvement has been. I know that they could have handled this better, but at the end of the day, people are still human beings and that was still their son. So as of right now, I just don't feel comfortable speculating as to what their involvement in this case may or may not have been. I am interested to hear your guys' theories surrounding this case. So if you want to share, DM me or comment over on social media and let me know what you guys think. Now, according to Alicia Fieldstat, I hope I'm saying that right, reporting for NBCNews.com, Brian's autopsy's results came back inconclusive, according to the family's attorney. And since then, they have made the decision to send Brian's remains to an anthropologist for further evaluation. According to the FBI, Brian's body was found along with a backpack and a notebook that belonged to him. So now that Brian has been found, I am interested to see how the rest of the investigation plays out. They still have to conduct an investigation into Gabby's murder. I know the crime scene is going to be difficult to process or was difficult to process due to the fact that she was found outdoors and in a national park, which has been heavily trafficked for so long. So gathering evidence in an environment like that is just so difficult, but I guess we will see. I am interested to see if Brian had any help in covering this up or if anyone does have the full story on what happened, but we are just going to have to like wait and see over the next few months what they find. I am interested about that last week of the timeline to kind of see when Brian came home and supposedly emptied out that storage unit and then flew back to be with Gabby. I think that is the most crucial period of time right now that I'm wondering if that played out a little bit differently. But like I said, we're just going to have to wait and see. Share your thoughts on that case and your theories with me over on social media. I'm really interested in talking about that. Well, that is all I have right now for case updates. I will continue to follow all of these cases, of course, and hopefully we have some resolution to more of these cases when I come back next year. Like I said earlier, if you have any cases that you're dying to hear about, old or new, or just cases that you don't think got enough coverage or the attention that they deserve, send them over to me so I can look into them and see what I can do with it. As always, my sources for this episode will be linked in the show notes as well as the links to all of my social media. Thank you guys so much for listening to my episodes every week. I can't wait to come back next year with just an even better show and to not be pregnant and breathing so obnoxiously hard into the microphone. I hope everyone has an amazing holiday season. I hope you all stay safe and I will see you in 2022.